Hello and welcome to the NBA Next podcast presented by Spotrack. I am Scott Allen and I'm joined by Keith Smith. We are here to talk about what is fi- next financially in the NBA. Keith, we've got a gambit today. First, uh, great talking to you again. I know it's been two weeks. I had a week off last week and uh, it's great to be back. How have you been? Good, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. You know, this is our time to shine, Scott. It's officially the off season, so we're we're ready to go now. So I'm really excited. Yeah, that that is my number one bullet here this morning. Denver wins, and we are officially officially in the off season now. Uh, we are going to finish off the team previews this week, and then dive into some draft next week and get into options, non-guarantees, and into free agency. So we are definitely diving deep into the offseason even more so now than we have in the past. Uh, we have a few nuggets here to get to. No pun intended there. Um, <laughs> that was perfect. But we're going to dive into the Golden State Warriors today, Philadelphia 76ers, and the Los Angeles Lakers. But first, we have some notes from uh, the last two weeks here that we've missed. Uh, we'll start with... Frank Vogel to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, what are your take on that? Yeah, I think it's a good hire for Phoenix. Obviously, anytime your roster is built around Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, uh, you're 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 set to win right now. And and they they got themselves a championship coach. He won a title with the Lakers uh, just a few years ago, so he's going to get right back in there. I think think they'll you know be he's as good a coach as they could have gotten i feel like their big challenge is going to be they've got to figure out their depth they've got to figure out this chris ball situation you know it's it's a it's a great starting point right it's a place 29 other teams would be thrilled to start with durant and booker but then it's questions about deandre Eaton and his contract and chris ball and then there's not a whole heck of a lot else left on that roster so there's a lot of work for james jones and his staff to do uh to to, to give vogel a, a a team to win with that that's that's where the, all the work starts now yeah the, the the key phrase that you mentioned there was roster depth and we just saw that in these uh finals so whatever depth uh, that Phoenix can do roster construction management to allow Vogel to, you know, uh, use it to get deep into the playoffs with that star studded team, then they, they got to do what they got to do, especially in the immediacy with, you know, in the back end career of, for, you know, Durant with his injuries and everything like that. Yep. Um, Adrian Griffin to the Milwaukee bucks is official. What are your thoughts with that? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think, uh, he was the guy Giannis wanted by all the reporting. So you can't really go wrong that way. You know, if you're making your star guy happy, but Adrian Griffin's been, he's been kind of doing the circuit for, it, it feels at least three, four seasons now of, all right, he's almost ready, you know, and, and this is just kind of how it goes with these assistant coaches. They often have to interview for years before they finally get that opportunity to pop for them, but he, he's going to go there. I think you know, it'll be a good coach. I'm curious to see again, what do they do? They've got some roster questions. Chris Middleton's a free agent. Brooke Lopez is a free agent. A couple of their other role players are free agents. So I think we're in a spot where we're going to see them, uh, you know, really, have to look to retool a little bit but again you're starting with Giannis and Drew Holiday so pretty good starting point uh, for Adrian Griffin there with Milwaukee final draft withdrawal date was yesterday so the fully eligible list will come out soon but any notable things from from yesterday yeah, the probably the the most surprising thing. There were a handful of international players who were projected to go maybe in the second round that that withdrew, and that that's pretty common um, that we see that because th- this was really most people refer to this as the international withdrawal date because the NCAA for guys to return back to college, that was at the end of May. So guys had to do that there. So that becomes um, a whole thing um, with them. So that, that's a, uh, you know, spot um, with them, uh, you know, figuring that out. So I think what happened yesterday that was probably the most surprising was uh, Bobby Clintman, who was projected to go in the second round, probably not going to crack the first round, but was a uh, player out of Wake Forest, he did withdraw. And he withdrew and now is going to sign with, with a team in Australia as part of their Next Stars program, which is, if people remember, that's kind of what um, 
uh, RJ Hampton came up through as well as a couple others. So, so we're in a spot where that's pretty rare, but that could maybe be a trend we see with these guys who are borderline players. If they don't want to return back to college and want to get started, you know, on a professional level while remaining draft eligible um, and not, you know, immediately in the draft, um, you know, that they'll, they'll, uh, you maybe take a path like that. That's a whole new thing that, that we're seeing, um, you know, with that. I wanted to touch just because, you know, I forgot to tell you to put it on the on the show notes, um, but Toronto also filled their coaching vacancy too uh, with, with Darko Ryakovich. Um, oh, that's right. You're right. Yeah. So we're done. All the coach coach vacancies are, are filled because I'm pretty sure Michael Malone and Eric Spolster aren't getting fired um, after you know going to the finals. So I think we're we're OK there. So I think we're in a spot where um, all of our coach spots are filled. And for Toronto, that one's interesting because his kind of claim to fame as an assistant was his player development ability. So we're going to see and find out, like, is that enough um, to or was that a sign, an early sign of the Raptors maybe pivoting towards uh, development? So that, that's been, been kind of a fun thing. Yeah, it's a great transition because player options start coming in this week. We already had one with Fred Van Vliet with the Toronto Raptors. Mm-hmm. He has declined. He will become a free agent. We also had uh, uh, Daniel House Jr. Uh, a week or two ago where he opted in. Yep. Um, so – Anything we should be or other players other than Fred Van Vliet this week that we need to pay attention to? Yeah, nobody else has a deadline of this week. Fred Van Vliet's is very early. Um, the the kind of full drop dead date for all of these is the 29th, the, the final day of the offseason. Final day is really the 30th, but on the 30th, everybody can start negotiating um, at 6 p.m. Eastern. So so everybody has to make all their, their decisions by the 29th on options, non-guarantees and guarantee dates and all those things. Those flow, they're, they're scattered all throughout the, the summer, even if there's a whole bunch of them that hit on the 30th. But, but for the most part, those are scattered. But option dates all through the 29th, Van Vliet's being you know two weeks early is a little odd. But um, you know he he opted out um, already, and then it's next week when we'll start seeing those pick up a little bit more in full. We've got a handful on the 20th, 21st, 23rd, and 24th uh, as we go. There's also some guarantee dates mixed in there for a handful of guys. So all those are on on the site. Um, you go to any team page, you can see under the deadline section. You've done a great job uh, putting that addition in there and you can see everybody's option dates and uh guarantee dates and all, all that stuff so we're, that, that's all over there on spot track uh for you guys to check out but, but we're we're full on in it now we're we're you know a week and a half from the draft and you know we're, we're into option season and all that so we're, we're going to be really uh prepped for free agency to start here only in two and a half weeks which is kind of bonkers yeah absolutely is and in the draft is right around the corner. Next week, we're going to do a big draft show. Um, but Portland has put out the feelers of we're possibly shopping the third pick. Um, I, I love to see that this is happening uh, because it, it it rarely happens. And then yesterday, I also read that the Pelicans are looking to try to move up yeah. to the second spot or the third spot. I, I absolutely love the movement and teams looking forward. And let me add one more nugget to that pun intended there. The Denver (laughs) Nuggets made a trade with the Oklahoma city thunder to acquire some picks in 20, uh, this draft and in 24 sending out a 29 first. So I really love the, I don't want to say urgency, but the forward thought of these teams wanting to get in now and the fact that we rarely see these top picks being traded, I hope it happens just for, uh, you know, the, the storyline and the, the narrative and uh, going into the draft. But w- what are your thoughts with what we're starting to see with these uh, shopping picks and wanting to move up and all these rumors? Yeah, I, I love that we see these teams, I think, taking a look at the uh, both short and long term, which they always do. But there's a little bit more pressure with the new CBA uh, coming, which will you know, be, be in place here in a couple weeks. And then what's going to happen is you're just you can't just sit and be a super expensive team for the vast majority of these teams, especially if it's more super expensive because because we have 
four guys on the roster that are causing us to be there. If you're expensive, but you've got 12 players, then you're probably okay. Um, but I think the challenge is for a team like the Pelicans, they're looking at and saying, all right, we've got Ingram on a max. We've got Zion Williamson's max deal kicks in this summer, even if there are protections in there uh, towards it. It's still on the contra on the cap sheet right now as a max. Uh, CJ McCollum makes over $30 million. We've got some other guys to pay. And I think they're looking at it and saying, hey, if we can kind of spread this out a little bit, trade off, go get Scoot Henderson. That sounds like who they want. And we'll, we'll spend more time on the kids in the draft next week. Um, but that's really cool. And then I'm going to give you a prediction here on Portland. They're either going to trade the third pick or they're going to trade Damian Lillard. I can't imagine a world where they have both whoever they draft at three and Damian Lillard on the same roster. It just doesn't make sense. I think, you know, they're going to pick a direction this summer that they're either going to say, all right, you know what, it's time to move. You know, let's go, let's, let's move Dame. Let's you know lean into a full rebuild here, or they're going to come back around and say, you know what? All right, let's get, uh, you know, let's get, um, let's get it done with, uh, you know, with, um, keep a game and we're going to use this pick and, you know, maybe some of our other younger players or whatever to go put win now talent around him. I think we're going to see, you know, one way or the other, this kind of, let's try to split the different stuff has not worked for them. And I think they fully realize that now. Yeah. You got to go one way or another at this point and either you're all in with him or you need to just rip it off and, and move on and get what you can for him. I totally agree. Um, off the top, we said Denver did win. We will get to their offseason preview along with Miami uh, on Thursday's show. Um, but now we're diving into Golden State Warriors and the Philadelphia 76ers and the Lakers. Uh, before we do that, did you have anything else that I missed? No, I don't think so. I, okay. I think, think we're think we're all caught up as as much as we're going to be. You know, it's yep. it, this time of year. The minute we press uh, stop record, that's when something else will drop. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, so let's dive into the Golden State Warriors here. This is a f- super interesting team for a multitude of reasons. The first one out of the gate that I want to talk about is Draymond Green, which is the elephant in the room. Whether he opts out or opts in, does he end up staying with the team or not with the team? He his player option is for twenty seven point almost uh, you know twenty seven point six million dollars here. So from your field, do you think he's going to opt in, opt out? Uh, what's your sense? Yeah, I think he's going to opt out for sure, and that's not necessarily. Uh, um, immediate money play. He may not necessarily get more than that 27.5 million, 27.6 million, whatever, you know, rounding you prefer on that. Um, but he, it's to add more years to, to his contract. He is, uh, you know, just turned in March, he turned 33. So this is going to be his kind of last big bite at the Apple at, at this point, because, you know, after that, it'll be running into the over 38 rule and all these other things. So my guess is that this is about, Hey, I want to add years onto my contract and we'll, we'll go from there as far as stay or go. I tend to think he's going to stay. I, I just, I have a hard time believing that, when it comes down to it, that it's going to get the Warriors are going to need him to take such a big pay cut, you know, year over year value that he's going to be insulted and leave. I don't know who's going to be sitting there to pony up to get him. He can still obviously key a defense. He's still, you know, a very key player for them. And I think, you know, when you sit down, even though Bob Myers is gone, when you sit down and look at this Warriors team, you got to believe, you know, hey, we still have Steph, we still have Clay, you know, we need Draymond as a part of this. Uh, you know, go going forward. So probably opts out, signs something two, three years, you know, adds, you know, a few years on, uh, you know, I'll say the average of 25 million ish a season, probably in that range after, you know, all the guarantees are worked out. And that's how, how we kind of wrap up the run for this core. Yeah. He really is a glue guy for that team. And I, I can kind of see him potentially doing, like a Chris Paul type deal where maybe, you know, it's a team friendly, but maybe non-guaranteed or partial guaranteed towards the back end. Because we've seen him with his production decline over the last few years. And then he'll, you know, he has his stints in the playoffs, but as a whole, he's definitely had a decline, but he's a, a glue guy. He's the energy of that team. So to, to lose that, 
you may lose that heart and soul of that team. And then, it, it, you know, it, let me add this, the, they're super strapped as far as roster <laughs> yeah. maneuvering. So you're almost better off signing him to, like you said, a, a, another two, three, maybe four year deal long-term, maybe some non-guaranteed at the back. That's a team friendly deal. And then if, at the back end, you're in a situation like Chris Paul is right now where you're either going to be waived, bought out, or potentially traded somewhere else. Then you do that in the back end, but you at least lock him up now because you're already strapped from your roster construction. Yeah, exactly. And, and even though all of the uh, uh, what, what we like to call the super tax penalties, even if they don't all start this summer, which they don't, but they're still limited. Now, the one that hits them, I think the hardest is they won't have any signing exceptions as far as the uh, tax payer mid-level goes. That one does start this summer, so they're going to lose that because they're going to be, obviously, what with Draymond or without, they're going to be well over uh, the super tax line. So they, they're not going to be in a position to have um, that uh, you know $5 million taxpayer MLE. So, so to that point, yeah, I think you're, you're doing what you can to try to retain your guys here, get them signed. And, and like I said, too, it's, you know, this guy's part of the core, right? He's part of that uh, Curry, Thompson, Green core group. And that, that's you know, what, what you're building towards. And I think they're going to do what they can to maximize those guys, at least through Steph's uh, run, right? He's got this coming season, then two more seasons after that, fully guaranteed under contract. And then, then we'll see, right? It may be time, you know, by the time he gets to the end of that, he may be saying, all right, you know what? I just turned 35 and I am ready to, you know, move, move on and go a slightly different direction. Um, which the, the fact that he's 35, like that just kind of makes me feel super old. Um, Cause I still can remember his run at Davidson um you know several years ago now but yeah but we're we're in a spot where i think we're gonna see you know the warriors try to figure this out um to keep this group together running through the next couple of seasons and then then go from there the other thing that came out too just with them is uh salary uh dumps are not on the table this off season apparently there was a lot of reporting that came out around that so they're they're apparently gonna run with what they've got and they'll they'll start I think next summer becomes, uh, all right, we'll start figuring it out then. Yeah, the other thing that came out this week about uh, the Warriors was Jordan Poole. They are not shopping him, at yep. least in air quotes, I guess, for right now, unless the uh, deal that can't be uh, turned down comes through. But again, th they're strapped, so they sort of have to run it back with what they have. You know, Jordan Poole still has four years. Like you said, Steph has three um the the next part of that core is clay thompson he is a expiring contract of 43.2 million but he's also extension eligible so how do you handle a clay thompson who is one of those core guys but he isn't clay that we've seen three four years ago so how do the warriors operate with him yeah i think you just let it play out and then when we land into uh, free agency next summer, you you address it then. That could be one where we see in season maybe they they do an extension with him because that could be you know something we see you know all right hey we're gonna add on a couple years. My guess is, and this is obviously just a guess, but they're probably gonna look to with both Green and Thompson eventually tie everything to those last couple years that Curry is under guaranteed contract. So then that way, hey, you guys all, you didn't exactly come in together, but but you might as well have. And now, you know, we're going to give you the opportunity to go out together as a group. You know, we're, we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to kind of put this in a spot where you guys all kind of did, did your thing and, you know, and then, then we'll figure it out. So it wouldn't be a shock if we saw a couple years added extension wise for Clay Thompson, it won't be at the 43 million, you know, that he's making this, this coming season, it'll be feel far less than that. Similar to kind of what the Celtics did with Al Horford, where, you know, they basically cut his salary almost by two thirds. It'll probably be something down in the 20 million a year range for Thompson is my guess, but, but I, I think we've got a good chance. That's how that plays out. Okay. Another piece of the puzzle, Andrew Wiggins, 
he has three guaranteed plus a player option, so a total of four guaranteed, essentially. Uh, $24.3 million. He missed a lot of games last year. I think, what, he played 37 games in total, I believe. Yeah. Um, does he still fit well on this roster? And it's sort of like uh, an acquisition without having to make an acquisition because they're going to hopefully have him for a full season next season? Yeah, hundred percent. They're they're you know huge part of them winning the finals a couple of years ago. They're not going to do anything with him. They locked him up with the idea of hey, we want you here uh, long term, and that's why they gave him that four year deal. So uh, you know he he'll stick, and they'll they'll go in that 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 uh, run with him. Gary Payton the second. I really liked him when he was on this team before he signed with Portland. And then there was that interesting trade situation that happened. <laughs> I don't even know if it fully, you know, has been flushed out with it. It has been. Penalty. Yeah. They it finally, yeah, they finally resolved it all. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so my question with this is, is this going to be a good fit now? I know there was an issue with uh, some injuries when he was, he didn't play in a lot. Now that he'll have a full season at $8.7 million and then a $9.1 million player option, is is he going to be a good fit on this roster or yeah. will they flip him for potentially something else? Yeah, I'm not going to say they won't flip him because, again, we know starting next year, their ability to improve this team is going to be limited to re-signing their own free agents, signing draft picks, and signing minimum deals. So trades maybe be the way, but for, for this upcoming season, yeah, he's a great fit. He's proven that, you know, over the years, I think you're going to see, you know, Thompson is, he's not going to be an 82 game guy, you know, going forward probably. Um, so on those nights, you know, Peyton can slide in and start if you need him to. And, you know, obviously not the shooter Thompson is, but can, can defend and, you know, big part of that, it'll be a big part of their depth in that backcourt. And they feel very comfortable playing him with Stephen Curry because he can defend uh, bigger players because he's pretty tough there. So, yeah, great, great fit. You know, he's a big part of them winning the title two years ago. Now you, you're really, or I guess one year ago, but two seasons ago. Um, so you really are in a spot where, yeah, they're happy to have him. I think that was a, hey, we get to rectify, we shouldn't have let him go in the first place. And let's get that, you know, fixed here. And, and they, they, they got him back. And it's also big to have him too, because, you know, they may lose Dante DiVincenzo, um, who has a uh, player option that they're very limited in what they can pay him uh, to bring him back. So if they lose DiVincenzo, they, they've got to get depth out of, you know, some of these guys. And, you know, we'll see if, Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody can take on more or they do they end up being trade chips that get talked about well we'll see how that all comes together with those guys but yeah Peyton's going to be a big big part of this rotation going into next year that's great to hear I, I liked him a lot especially his defensive uh, presence on that team a couple years ago uh, the young kids what does this team do with these young kids Kaminga he is not extension eligible until next offseason um, Moses Moody, he is not extension eligible until next offseason as well. Um, and then you've got Baldwin Jr. He's going into his second year. Are, are these three players just ride with it for now for the Golden State Warriors? Or is there any value in flipping them for a player or two before they're really handcuffed with the super tax penalties. Yeah. I mean, you could see it. The challenge is, you know, Kaminga and Moody, that's $10 million in matching salaries. So it's not going to get you very far. Um, you know, so that, that starts to become, you know, kind of the issue for the Warriors is, you know, how far are we going to get? And then, and then, yeah, you could say throw Patrick Baldwin in there, throw Ryan Rollins, who also has a you know guaranteed contract uh, down near the minimum at about one point seven million, and you know, but all total, you're up to about fifteen million in matching salary, and that's just you know not going to get you very much, and not very many teams are going to say, yeah, give me four guys for one guy in a trade. So I think what happens is you watch this, you know, kind of play out, see, you know, now Kaminga made it clear he wants to play more. You know, he, I, I'm going to paraphrase here, but he basically said, hey, I'm going on a gym tour around the country and, you know, I'm going to kick butt all over the place and prove I, I should be, you know, p playing more uh, than, than, than I do already. So that that's, you know, just 
kind of funny in a sense that that's where he's, he's his mindset is but you know that that's just kind of where we're at now so we're gonna have to see you know as this kind of comes together uh with these guys you know well where are we going because i think what ultimately in the end happens with a guy like kaminga is you got to either either give him a real rotation role which they more or less did last year make sure he's getting you know 25 minutes a night so you can find out going into his extension year a year from now or you know do do we try to move him in a trade and get a win now piece that we feel like can come in and go go forward with yeah and that's why i brought package them as the young kids together here because golden state is going to really have to see the progression from these kids to say, yeah, they are the next wave of our, our roster construction. Otherwise it's a huge miss on their end, you know, trading out Wiseman. And then if they do move on from either of these in the next year or two, you know, they had that anomaly where they drafted so high with such a great team because of injury uh, issues that happened. And if you miss on these players, then, that, that that's a huge huge miss from the, the front office and and player development for a team that has done pretty well with player development in the past sorry couldn't get my mute button off um yeah it's it you're, you're absolutely right that's that's the the thing you know so you're, you're kind of relying on your own history right of you know we'll get there we'll we'll get these guys coached up but yeah, well, we'll we'll see. I think the challenge is it's always hard to incorporate a young player into a team that's competing for titles. I think that's a big part of why they moved on from James Wiseman. I think for them it was we can't sacrifice the potential wins we need to put ourselves in title contention to give him the development minutes that he needs, and that's why they moved on. Kaminga's a little bit, not a little bit. He's for a lot further along as a prospect than Wiseman was, but he still needs minutes. And if, if they look at it and say, you know, geez, we could get veteran X to come in here and fill that role a little bit better. Maybe you go that way, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. My guess is they start the, the off season or start training camp with the roster as it looks right now. Um, you know, for the most part, now that's what they move forward with. Um, and then, you know, we'll see what develops in the course of the season. You know, is that when, you know, you move, Kamingo or Moody or do you change your tune on Jordan Poole and say all right you know that's a big chunk of salary matching now we can really go do something to kind of prop us up over these next few seasons so that that that's what I'll be kind of keeping an eye on all right so they have 12 already under contract on this roster outside of the green and the DiVincenzo player options that could go one way or the other Uh, so what other areas of need do, do you think they have the, the area that I think they need is another big man presence mm-hmm. to really get in there, to help Looney to, uh, you know, rim protect, whatever it might be. But I, I think big man presence is what they need. What do you need or what do you see from this team that they need to focus on? Yeah. I'm in the same boat as you. It's get, get another big in there. Um, you, you should have enough left in every other spot. You've got guards, you've got wings, um, get, get one more big in there, probably ideally an upgrade on Jermichael Green. He didn't give them what they were looking for. Um, it'll have to be at the minimum because like we said, they've got no other option unless it's a trade. And we just kind of ruled that out for now. So the good news is though, if you're looking for anything as a minimum, it's bigs, right? There, there's always going to be a center or two available that, that can come over for the minimum. So I think, you know, we'll, we'll see, you know, who they kind of, you know, center du jour, I guess. So, you know, this is the guy for now, you know, let's, let's pick that guy up and move forward. I think that's where we're headed. Other notes we've mentioned their super tax team. They were their, their tax bill last season was around 163 million this upcoming season because of all the salaries increasing they're looking at a 230 million dollar tax bill going into this uh 23 24 season already so they're looking at paying some hefty prices and we've talked about it before so this team is going to be interesting uh even more so moving forward they have uh no as of right now no first round pick in 24 nor a second round pick in 24 so they really don't have options through the draft 
in the future. Uh, so, Which, so anything else that you want to mention with this team? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to hit on the 19th pick this year, right? Like, like you got to make sure that that somebody who can be a rotation player within the next couple of seasons, because otherwise, you know, that becomes a it, it just becomes another three plus million dollars on the salary sheet that's just sitting there. Um, you know, and when you are as expensive as the Warriors are, that you know that three million is more like, especially under the new CBA. I, I don't know if you've gamed out all the math yet. I know I have not, but that's going to be more like fifteen million, right? With with where they're sitting, penalty wise. So that's you know that they're, they're almost at a five to one, if not already at a five to one. You know, and it could be even be more by the time we sit down and figure it out after they do all their off season moves. So yeah, you got it. You got to get that kind of locked in and it in a spot where it's like, okay, we, we, we know what we are and, and here we go. And here's what we're doing. Has there last thing, has there been any uh, talk about the, the front office filling in Bob Myers' spot yet? No, a little weird that we're, you know, we are a week from the, from the draft and, and, and we still, still don't know, right? Like that, that, that is a little odd. Um, I think for sure that, that we're in a spot where it becomes, you know, geez, how, how do we not, uh, you know, have that, that set up um, already, but no, they haven't really said, my guess is they, they, they know what, what it's going to be and they've kind of got, got a plan for, you know, working forward um, and they, they're comfortable with where, where things are at. But yeah, for now we, we don't know where they're going. All right. This team will be interesting. A uh, couple of player option decisions coming quickly here, and uh, we will see where the Golden State Warriors move on and, and how they operate. They're going to be a super interesting test case with this new uh, super tax rules in the CBA. <laughs> the so test be, case, right? Yeah, the test ways, case, right. You could argue the rule was made for them. Right. Good point. Good point. All right. Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, this team, very, very interesting because – they only they have players locked up for 23-24, 10 of them, two of which are player options. But after that, there's not much on their roster uh, going into 24-25. So um, they brought in a new head coach, Nick Nurse. Uh, they are currently not a tax team, but they are potentially going to be a tax team. Um, Embiid's inc- extension kicks in at Right now, it's $46.9 million. Uh, if that cap does go up a little bit, that, that value might go up slightly, but that's about where he's going to start. Uh, but let's go with, the, the again, the elephant in the room with this team. James Harden and his $35.6 million player option. Uh, so, again, do you, do you think he opts in or opts out? And then is he a Philadelphia 76er or Houston or the field? All right, so the easy part is he's opting out. There's there's no chance he's picking that up because he's either coming back to Houston on uh, the most he can get or or he's resigning with Philly for the most he can get um, or maybe the field, right? I, I know you kind of put that out there of, you know, at the end and, and there's been some reporting that maybe the Suns could get involved and some other teams. So we'll see what it looks like. I tend to think it's either going to be Houston or Philly. I generally... I generally don't put a lot of stock in the whole belly. The player could go here because especially when it's the cap space boogeyman team, right? Which everybody's going to be linked to Houston. Every agent in the league is going to say, well, you better pay my guy because the Rockets are sitting there ready to offer him X, Y, and Z. So I think what we're really looking at in this situation with James Harden is it's going to be his choice to, you know, normally, it's a pretty big difference in what the incumbent team can pay, but that usually comes because the incumbent team can offer an extra year. Um, in this case, the Sixers can't because of the over 35 or over 38 rule rather it, it hardened bumps up against that. So functionally he's limited to a four year deal, no matter where he goes. So that turns into, all right, well, you know, over 38 rule kind of eliminates that, that fifth year and all that extra money that would come there. So, yeah, they can offer slightly more because they can do the 8% raises against the 5% raises. But I think for the most part, you're going to see James Harden decide, do I want do I want to compete for a title in Philadelphia? You know, we're, we're, if I resign, we're a ready-made title contender with me and Embiid, and we'll figure out the rest of the roster. Or, you know, do, do I look to, to move, move along and go, um, you know, somewhere else and, you know, move in that direction? 
Yeah, that's going to be a fascinating situation to see where he lands. Uh, I, I don't know what the right answer is, but yeah. it's it's going to be fun to see, and it's going to you know Twitter may collapse depending on where <laughs> he ends up. Well, uh, hey, Scott, the right answer is Houston. Don't do this. Like that's yeah, the you know right what? You're answer, right. <laughs> right. That is the like, right answer. I do not want to see him go back to Houston no, because yeah, with the it, development that they are, and we, if, if you haven't listened to that offseason preview, go back and listen to it. Uh, there, if you throw a James Harden into that that situation, I, I don't like the outcome on paper for where that could go. So I, I do not want to see him. You're right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's just. It's just. It's just not a good idea. I guess this is the best way to put that. <laughs> Tobias Harris, he is he's on an expiring contract, thirty nine point two million, but he's also extension eligible. And then I saw, and if I'm totally off base on this, then I apologize. But I saw Bradley Beal rumors and some Tobias Harris potentially with Beal wanting to go to Philadelphia. Is there any? any legs to that or is Tobias Harris long for this Philadelphia roster, even though he's been on trade trade rumors for the last few years, what's going on with the Tobias Harris contract situation? Yeah, there's the little to no chance there's an extension coming because it would have to be such a pay cut for him that it just is one where it's, Hey, let's, if nothing else, let's just see what's out there in free agency in, in a couple years. But I think, you know, where we're, headed with this is yeah i mean he he's the big number right at 39.3 million dollars that's the big trade match if you wanted to move on from from uh tobias harris and if you wanted to take in a bradley beal and eat all that money that's owed to him you know you can do that now where i think that's more coming out of the washington side of things where with their new front office um we're not going to read rerun their uh offseason preview here but new front office in there. And for the first time ever, they're saying, yeah, the right thing might be to rebuild. And if that's something that they're actually open to for a change, which they have not been open to in the past, that's huge, right? Cause this team has always been a, no, you know, let's keep pushing forward, keep pushing forward. And that could be a Bradley Beal trade. Now he has that no trade clause, but I think if you're saying, Hey man, we're going to rebuild. So you can either stay here and be part of probably likely pretty bad teams or you can move slightly north to Philadelphia and play with Joel Embiid and you know be a pretty good team. You probably get him to say, "All right, I, I'll I'll you know decline that option and I'll go," or decline that no trade clause. Right now, I'll go. I'll accept a trade out of Philadelphia. So that's that. I think where all that's coming out of. But I think for the Sixers, that that becomes a. You're not doing that if you bring James Harden back because you already have Tyrese Maxey in the backcourt. That could be a, all right, Harden's leaving. Let's pivot and let, let's go go in that direction instead. So that's where, you know, the, 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 if they're going to do anything like that, it'll come after Harden's made a decision on uh, stay or go. Okay. P.J. Tucker, he was able to sign uh, because James Harden took a team-friendly discount and uh, allowed P.J. Tucker to come to the 76ers. Did that signing work out? Um, do they, do you expect them to move forward with him or could he be a trade piece at 11 million? Yeah, no, he'll unless they're doing a major reset around Embiid cause Harden leaves and they're, you know, really saying, all right, it's, it's Embiid and Tyrese Maxey and we're going to, you know, take this thing down and try to retool it on the fly and figure it out. Then yeah, maybe Tucker could be a part of something, but he was fine. You know, it wasn't, wasn't great. Wasn't, you know, anything uh, special, but for, you know, the, the, what was the non-taxpayer uh, amount? Yeah, it, it's fine. No, no issues at all. And he'll, he'll stick right there in Philadelphia. The big extension that I think is going to happen is Tyrese Maxey with his rookie scale extension. I, you put out a piece. We'll talk about more of that uh, with your, your projections next episode. Uh, sorry, next week's episode when we get into the draft stuff. But uh, what what is your sense with the Tyrese Maxey extension? Yeah, I think he's going to get a max. I, I think um, young guards that can score the way he can, I think there's a belief he can do more as a playmaker. Uh, he just hasn't had the ability because you've had like James Harden um, there with the ball in his hands. Uh, Maxie was a bench guy 
prior to that. But but I think, um, you know, the belief is that this is a guy who can be, you know, a number two uh, on a really good team. And I think they're going to max him out. If not the max, it's probably going to be really close. Maybe it becomes one of those of, all right, we offered you just under, but there's incentives that can get you really close to the max or whatever it is uh, there. But, you know, no, no, no pun intended, but I think, you know, it's a max for Maxi, And, you know, that that's going to be where, where we go um, with, with this. And it's going to be the, the team, the long-term, you know, core of this team is going to be Embiid and Maxi, And then, you know, maybe Harden's a part of that. Maybe he isn't, um, you know, but they're going to figure it out around those two guys. Because if they don't max him, you run the risk of what if he makes all NBA? What if he has an incredible season? And then he's like, now I, now you got to give it to me as a free agent, right? Now I definitely need, you know, the, the, the max kind of deal here and those kind of things. And that becomes a little bit of a mess. So I think in this situation, you, you just take care of it. Now, I don't think there'll be any kind of, um, you know, designated player language in there. Cause I don't think, thinking making all NBA is a realistic thing, but yeah, give him a max and move, move on. He's you know proven to be one of the better players out of this coming draft class. Yeah. And like we said, there's not much on this roster past this season. So um, that might be your, your, your next piece with the Embiid and then, and move on from there and, and get him locked up. Uh, House junior, as we mentioned, he exercised his player option, Montrez Harrell does have a player option as well on this team, 2.76 million. Uh, he was signed as a free agent, one and one. Uh, do you expect him to exercise that player option, or is he going to go back into free agency? I think um, it's that one's weird because very he, he's just he's not going to get more money than that. So I think he probably picks it up and just comes back. Uh, for for that amount and says, yeah, here we here we go. Let's you know run it back. Now the only way I could see that maybe being different is if he says, you know what, this is not how I want to do this. Um, you know, so I want to be in a spot where it is I want to play. You know, then maybe that that changes a little bit. But but I think for the most part, you're you probably see him pick that up and return. All right, now that Nick Nurse is the head coach, uh, what other areas of need do you think he will focus on trying to have on this roster to help Philadelphia get deeper into the playoffs to complement Embiid and Maxi and anyone else on this roster? Yeah, I, I want to go back because, and, and I know you might have skipped it for time just so I don't get you know going on it too much, but D'Anthony Melton extension is something to definitely keep an eye on. He was really, really good. Uh, for this team, and they, they can they can offer him a you know an extension uh, the, this off season where you know they they could you know guarantee his eight million dollar contract for this coming year, and then offer him a you know nice extension going into the coming years. It'd be you know four years, probably sixty ish million range in that range. So that that'd be you know a good get for the Sixers if they they could pull that off. So I just wanted to put yeah, that, that in there. Yeah, that's my fault for for missing that one. And no, it's all good. Th- that that was a nice acquisition by them, mm-hmm. a trade from Memphis. So uh, that that's a good point with him. Yeah, big 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 part of the team. And pending again, what happens with Harden? Which is right. That's kind of the whole story for this entire off season for Philly is what happens with Harden will key everything. But then he becomes an even more important depth guy. You know, for that backcourt. Uh, you could start potentially if they didn't pick up another guard. You know, I think you could move forward if you build out the roster in another way with him and uh, uh, Maxi together in your backcourt, and you feel pretty good about it. So, you know, I think to your question on Nurse, I think why I brought up Melton as part of that is <clears throat> it's given him a little bit more roster versatility. You know, it's funny a lot of people have been like, he's going to hate Joel Embiid. He, he wants to play small and switchable across all five positions and I think that forgets he won the NBA title with Mark Gasol who at that point in his career was not exactly switching and you know stepping out to the perimeter all that much so I think he'll figure it out and make make good excuse me with those guys so I think what you're gonna see is all right let's try to round this roster out a little bit yo do they resign a guy like George Niang who became a key rotation guy for them I think that that could be a really important re-signing uh, could Daniel House find himself playing more uh, than he played a year ago after he picked up his option? That's certainly possible. So it's just add a little bit more lineup versatility to the roster. Okay. Um, anything else we need to know with Philadelphia 76ers moving into this offseason? 
Uh, nope, we're just going to find out whatever James Harden does, and then we'll pick up the pieces from there. All right. The Los Angeles Lakers, another super interesting team. They started with one roster last season, ended up with a completely different roster <laughs> at the end of the season. Half their roster seems to be a, a, a free agent uh, or to be free agent. Uh, they are bare, very bare. When you look at this roster, they're even more bare than the Philadelphia 76ers, especially past the 23-24 season. I mean, right now on paper, it's James with a player option and Davis with an early termination for 24-25, and, and that's about it. So yep. how does this team move forward? Are they just run it back, sign your free agent players, and 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 go from there? Do they uh, let those free agents walk, and then you have some maybe space, and then you're back to square one with minimums in your MLEs? Uh, what should this team do? Scott, I want to start with one thing, and this is really to your original point of they don't have a lot of long-term money. I've always had the dream since I've started really getting into this. I've always wanted a team to just go into a summer with a completely clean cap sheet and nothing but the roster charges on there. And, you know, and when I look at the Lakers, I'm like, man, we could, you know, they, they could. Now they won't. It's not going to happen. You know, unfortunately, that, that will remain a dream. But but I just wanted to nerd out on that for just a second because it is still technically possible um now what do they do this summer right and part of why they won't have a completely clean cap sheet is they're going to resign their guys i think they're going to operate as an over the cap team there's a world where yeah they can get to cap space they could you know basically clear the decks of everything except for like austin reeves uh cap hold in their draft pick and they could have in the range of you know 30 ish million in cap space you know but the challenge is that's not even a max contract for a guy coming off a rookie deal. Um, that that max projects to be thirty three and a half million. So, what does that get you, right? Where where are you going? I think their moves at the trade deadline to give them a functional roster that had you know forwards and centers instead of just LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and nineteen guards. You're now in a position where you resign those guys, and as long as you resign all of them to reasonable contracts you're fine, right? You, you've, <clears throat> you put together a team that was extremely competitive uh, in the second half, really from, not second half, but from the trade deadline on, I think they had one of, if not the best records in the NBA, they went to the West finals. Uh, even though they lost in four games, those games are all pretty tight with Denver. So I think if you mostly took a, Hey, let's run this back approach. You're fine. You, you, that, and that's what I think they're largely going to do. And <clears throat> I think what happens in that situation is, it becomes about <clears throat> how much money and how long are you locking into on each of these free agents. Less about re-signing them and less even about how much money right now this specific season, but it's about how much long-term money you're putting in the books. That's the key question for the Lakers going forward. Yeah, it really is because if uh, if they sign super short-term kind of deals, they could have a lot of cap space in future years and and then you can really do whatever you want uh with that with the with that roster. Uh and and that's assuming and we're totally assuming that LeBron James is coming back next season. I mean, he had floated after elimination that yeah, you know, I, I'm. I'm uh, <laughs> yeah. Will I be back or not? I, I mean, obviously, that's mostly probably just speaking uh, from from the heart of being exhausted after yeah. the run that they had. Uh, but let's not discount that he is going to be 39 or is 39. He he is at the back end of his career, even though he he. Uh, He's put on the, the minutes and the miles that he has on the court. He, he it's going to be forty six point nine million, and then a 50, 50 and a half more million player option in twenty four twenty five. That's a lot of money to to say no to. So, um, but and let's, let, let me interject something there yeah. too. 
if he retired today, it doesn't create cap space for the Lakers either. That right. doesn't come off the books. So, um, you know, presumably he would pick up that player option, then retire and, you know, call it good. Um, and there's a lot of people, well, maybe, you know, because of the clutch stuff and the Lakers, and he'd do him a favor and he'd take a buyout and all this other stuff. I don't know why he would do that. I don't think that's going to be a thing that happens. I, I think it was just, you know, it's raw right after you lose very difficult season, you know, for injuries for him. I think he was just in a spot where it's like, I don't know, man, I can't even think right now about getting up and putting in, you know, the 10 hours a day it's going to take just to get physically ready, you know, for next year. So, you know, I, I don't know. We'll see. And, and I, you know, but it'll come around. He'll be back on the roster and, you know, we'll, we'll just move forward with him on a, you know, on his two year max deal. Yeah, but when those comments start coming out, you know he's already thinking about it in the back sure. of his mind. It's it's not a a Freudian slip by any means. No, I, I think I, I think it's in the back of his mind because he's almost forty, right? <laughs> and you know, and it's this will be year uh, it, year twenty one for him. So I think, it's, and that's yeah, an eye catching too. When you see thirty nine going to be forty, it's like, yeah. oh, he really has been around that long. Yep. And, and he's still playing at a top 10, maybe top five when he is healthy. Again, that's another issue. He had some health issues this last season too. Yeah. Um, all right, let's transition off of LeBron for a moment here. Malik Beasley, he has a large $16.5 million club option. Uh, he is also extension eligible, so if the, they exercise that and then they could extend him, is he a player that fits well on this roster? Yeah, I think he could. I don't think he fit as well as they hoped he would. I thought I think when they acquired him as part of those whole deadline dealings that they hoped, all right, this guy will come in, he'll fit fill in as a designated shooter off our bench. And I think we're in a spot where that that didn't play out that way. But I do think they'll pick that up and bring him back. Because if nothing else, that's sixteen and a half million in, in uh, tradable salary for whatever the next need that arises is. So I think he's back for sure. Um and they 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 you know, figure it out after that, but there's no chance they extend him there. They're not going to extend him. Um, they're, they're just, they, they, that's not a thing that's, you know, in the cards for him uh, with the Lakers right now. Yeah. And if anything, you exercise that option and that's 16 and a half million that you could flip uh, at the trade deadline or yep. in, in mid season. If you, you see that, that roster is not working out as you hoped again in the beginning, maybe you pull the trigger a little sooner than, than later, uh, with a 16 and a half, you could bring back two solid players with that. Yep. And, and speaking of Mo Bamba, he was acquired at the trade deadline this past off this past season. He has $10.3 million, but it's completely non-guaranteed. So um, I have to double check when that guarantee date is, but um, is that June a player? 29. June 29th. So it's going to be guaranteed before the season starts. So um, it is, is he a good fit uh, no. after having acquired him in that trade deadline? Nah, he, he's just not very good. You know, that's the challenge is, you know, you look at everything and it's like, man, this guy can block shots and he can shoot. So you get really tantalized by, you know, he could be, you know, a Miles Turner type of guy. And then he just never is. He just, you know, just never really became, you know, what people wanted him to be. And and I think that's that's the challenge. And that $10.3 million, that puts you way too close to, to the tax and places you don't want to be if you're the Lakers, um, especially after you do your other re-signings. And then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into Austin Reeves and, you know, what could happen in that whole situation. So, um, you know, once you do your other stuff, I think they're going to waive him, let him, you know, maybe they re-sign him and bring him back at a far less number. But I think there's little to no chance he's on the Lakers books at $10.3 million next year. All right, let's dive into these free agents then, because there is a slew of them. Uh, let's start with D'Angelo Russell. Again, another trade acquisition from Minnesota. Um, I, I'm assuming they do everything they can to re-sign him, or am I wrong? Uh, everything is a little bit too far. That's a bridge too okay. far. Because um, they're certainly not going to, if he's like, I want the max, they're not going to do that. Um, but I think you know, as long as his number comes in reasonable, which I've been saying... My big thing is I almost don't really care what you pay D'Angelo Russell this next season, even maybe the season after, because I, I think it's probably more likely than not you're going to have both LeBron and AD on the roster too, so you're probably not going to be a cap space team. It's the years after that. It's 2025, 26, and beyond 
that that's where I'm like, I don't really want him hanging out at 30 plus million dollars a year on my cap sheet in those years. So I think what you're going to see in this situation with the Lakers is, you know, it's going to be, Hey, if you want to come back, you know, and do a one plus one or a two year deal or something where, you know, after the, the 24, 25 season, we can get out of that. If we're pivoting because LeBron retired or moved on or whatever, if we're, you know, doing a hard pivot, you know, let's go, you know, well, maybe, maybe even up to $30 million a year. You know, that's, that's, that's probably fine in that situation, but that that's the key thing with Russell. You got to be protected because you don't want him at 30 plus million dollars a year in, in those outer years. Cause you don't even have any idea where you'll be with your roster. And as a franchise at that point, another trade acquisition, Rui Hachimura, of who they, they jumped on this trade pretty quick before, uh, you know, a slew of the, uh, trade deadline happenings went down. Uh, he's a restricted free agent though. So is he a player that from all indications that I've read and, and heard as the season went on, this was a player that they were going to make sure to try to lock up and, and retain with this off season. Is that still the case? Yeah, it seems like they're going to do what they can to resign him. He, you know, played well for them after being acquired. Played well in uh, the playoffs. You know, also had some some big time playoff games for for the uh, Lakers. So I think, yeah, I think you are going to see them do what they can to get him resigned and and uh, back in the fold. There again, it becomes you know that one's probably going to. I don't know that you can get away with a short deal for Hachimura. You're probably going to have to do a longer term deal. But I think, you know, that as long as, you know, you're talking something probably just north of the MLE. So probably 15 million average annual value, which will probably be the MLE value by the time that the deal is done. Um, I, I think you're you're fine with, with that, with, with Rui Hachimori, you know, And even if you had to go up into the 18, maybe even 20 million range, probably not the end of the world. But, you know, if you could get a little under that, you look to do that because he was, he's a restricted free agent and he's not going to be a top target for any of the cap space teams. You you can control this process a little bit if you're with the Lakers. You're, you're not going to have to go super far to get him resigned. Another restricted free agent that one of their own, Austin Reeves, you did a piece about him. Uh, he is the go-to name for this offseason as far as the Lakers. Um, where Where is Reeves at this point now that we he, he sort of made more of a name for himself <laughs> in the postseason in addition to what he did in the regular season? So where does Reeves stand? Yeah, he's going to get paid a ton, and he's going to get paid more than what the Lakers can offer him. Lakers could give him the the extension amount to be about fifty eight million or so uh, over four years right now, and that's just not going to be enough, right? It's just not going to be where that goes. Even with his early bird rights, they're 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 that's one where what's probably going to happen here is what's best for Reeves and probably ultimately best for the Lakers, as odd as it may sound, is go sign an offer sheet with another team, then he gets more money. The Lakers can match it and go. The only place that gets super sideways is if that turns into a, you know, ridiculous offer sheet where a team starts, you know, throwing around you know, max type money and those kind of things. But if it's, you know, 25 million a year, which, Hey, a guy who can start and can play either guard spot, can shoot, can handle the ball, gets himself to the free throw line, can score, play make, can do a lot of different things, and also holds up just fine defensively. That's going to be a you know twenty five million dollar a year player. So I think if you're the Lakers, you know anything in that range you're matching. If it gets over that, you probably get a little queasy about matching. But here's the challenge: if it's a hundred million dollars um, that he gets, you know, in an offer sheet, what's going to happen in that situation is it's going to be basically the match for the Lakers will be about twelve point two million, about the non taxpayer amount in year one, twelve point eight million in year two. But then what's going to happen is then it jumps in terms of cap hit for the Lakers. It'll jump up to 36.6 million, 
or $38.3 million. And for the, the team that's offering them the deal, they'll be able to spread that. You know, they could do $25 million a year if they wanted. They could do the standard raises. They can kind of do it however they want in an offer sheet. But for the Lakers, they'd be in a spot where, you know, years three and four, those are going to take those massive jump. And that's just how it works with an arena provision free agent. And that's exactly what, uh, what Reeves is sitting on right now. Yeah, he, he's a fun free agent. I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out and how fast uh, out of the gate once uh, free agency opens, we start hearing rumblings with, with the Reeves contract or if any teams are throwing offer sheets or anything like that because offer sheets are very rare <laughs> in yep. the NBA because of limited cap space and with, what, seven teams projected to have cap space. It should be interesting to see what goes down with Austin Reeves. Uh, Lonnie Walker, Troy Brown Jr., Dennis Schroeder. I'll just group them together. You can say what you want about them if you think they'll be back or not. Have at it. <laughs> yeah, it's um, you know, we're, we're gonna kind of see right with, with with the the everybody else group. I think Schroeder probably back. He, he was really good for for them. I think Walker probably moves on for a bigger role somewhere else. Uh, but then he had the big big uh, tail end of the playoffs, so. Maybe he does come back, um, you know, to, to the Lakers and says, hey, you know, 7.7 million, that's what you can give me um, off of last year's salary. Yeah, they, they, you know, maybe that is enough for him to him to return for one more run and say, yeah, I can be the you know primary backup guard on this group or primary backup off guard uh, with, with Schroeder kind of holding down the backup point guard spot. The rest of the guys, you know, it's probably kind of a let's see, you know, where things go. Uh, this summer, Troy Brown Jr. Yeah, maybe he could be back in the mix there. You know, not not the worst thing if he was right. He can still uh, do some stuff, and he's probably not going to be much over a minimum type signing. So, so we'll 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 see. But I think those are all kind of a little less you know guaranteed, and they're probably all going to be you know, hey, here's what we can give you type signings um, versus you know anything that the Lakers go out looking really to invest in. Because I think for the Lakers, your goal here is. All right, we're going to get Reeves re-signed. We're going to re-sign Hachimura. We're going to re-sign Russell. We do all that. We're probably up around the, you know, pushing the tax apron amount. And then what that becomes is let's try to carve out enough to have that 5 million taxpayer MLE with enough room under the super tax that then we can go, you know, get one more guy and kind of figure it out from there. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this in an off-season preview because if when it does happen, then uh, I'll be kicking myself. So Anthony Davis is extension eligible. Um, yes or no, do you think he gets an extension this off-season? Yeah, the only way he gets is if the Lakers just say, here's the full max we, we can give you, you know, let, let's go. You know, and then if that happens, sure. You know, then, you know, he'll add four years onto his deal because he'll, he'll, or he'll, he'll either add, you know, five if he declines his player option or he'll pick it up and then add four. Um, you know, if it did, you know, either way that he wants to do that. And if the Lakers come with, yeah, we'll go to the full max, you know, start, which would be, you know, $50 million ish in year one salary, um, you know, or, you know, 50, Three fifty-four million pending, but I think there's a chance Davis may say, "Well, what's LeBron doing?" Because if he's not a lock to stay, then I don't know that I want to lock in to stay. So I think it's probably more likely this plays out, and then the two of them, whether they you know make a decision definitely together of, "Hey, we're both staying," or you know we're going to go our separate ways and go to different teams. I, I think I think they'll kind of come to a decision together a year from now. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt, he was another acquisition via trade. He has $4.6 million, uh, but is also extension eligible. And is was that a good trade for the Lakers? Do you think they're just going to ride that out? Or is he an extension eligible uh, player that you think they may uh, – push that salary down the line. Yeah, no extension for for him again. Just they're they're not going to take on uh long-term money unless they really need to. Um here, so yeah, but but they'll they'll guarantee his deal. They'll pick it up. He'll be their primary backup big. Uh maybe even start some games, you know, we'll we'll see how that kind of comes together. The way the rest of the roster flushes out around James Davis, Reeves and whoever else is back. But I think, you know, definitely, you know, key rotation guy there, you know, 4.7 million. You can't, you know, that, that's, you know, more than fine for, for Vanderbilt. And that's one too, where once you guarantee it, if you're, if, if you get, 
you know, deep into the year and it is like, Hey, you know, man, like James is going to be back and Davis is going to be back. Then you could always extend him then, but there's no reason to do that this summer. All right. Anything else about the Los Angeles Lakers going into this off season that we didn't talk about that you want to mention? Nope. I think we're good, man. It's, it's all going to be, you know, let's keep an eye on that Austin Reeves offer sheet. That's that's, I know what I'll be looking out for. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Uh, What is next on your docket and um, what do we have to look forward to? Yeah. So on the site for written where we're down to it now where we're, you know, we know the order they're coming out. So uh, in the last little bit here, since I think since we last recorded uh, at least Milwaukee, Atlanta, and Memphis all posted uh, maybe Cleveland too. Um, but coming up next, Sacramento, Phoenix, New York, Golden State, uh, then that in Philadelphia, um, those will all be coming pretty rapid fire here where we're down to the final uh, nine teams. And then, then we'll have the final four, Lakers, Celtics, Heat, and Nuggets. Uh, that's you know where we'll get to. And we're going to finish out you know, here on the podcast version of uh, those guys. We've also got a piece that will come uh, later this week, I think. Um, which will be, uh, you know, I'm going to go through a predicted rookie scale extensions. I'm going to go through and make a prediction on all the options, player and team options uh, for next season. We'll we'll see how we do on that. And then I'm going to go through and also do a uh, uh, prediction on all of the um, uh, guarantees. You know, do guys get their contracts guaranteed or not? All of the ones that are due before uh, free agency starts at least. Yeah, we've got a, the, the off-season gambit, as we talked about at the beginning, because we are now officially, officially, officially in the off-season. <laughs> uh, so we've got all that coming, plus the draft is going to be talked about, you know, as we lead up here, our picks traded or not. Uh, so that's going to be fun. And there's always that, you know, those those trades that are they part of this 22-23 season still or will they because of timing do they need to get pushed yeah. into the off season so that's always fun to well have draft to... hat shenanigans where a guy yep. takes the hat and then he's never going to actually play for that team and yep. all that stuff that's that's all that's all coming here in the next little bit too yep absolutely is all right keith thanks for everything we will talk again on thursday with our final uh three teams for the off season previews if you're looking again to uh, ask questions or you know hit up Keith Smith at, at Keith Smith NBA on Twitter, he will uh, respond as quickly as he can with as much information as he can. Uh, for Keith Smith, I am Scott Allen. Thanks for listening to the NBA Next podcast.